you have to know kind of your why, like what's your purpose in life? And when you have that, then you can start to see those opportunities. You just ask yourself the question, does this align with who I want to be? And if so, am I willing to work hard enough to make it happen? You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Welcome to this episode of Expertish Podcast. Today we have Rob Renz on, former Marine, now businessman, entrepreneur. How are you doing? Good, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited to finally have this conversation. <laughs> hey, man, I'm excited too. I appreciate you taking the time, you know, over there. Uh, actually, at Wilmington, North Carolina, right? Yep. I think we said it before you hit record. Mm-hmm. It was the best kept East Coast beach town secret. But in 20, I think it was 2021, I saw a statistic, maybe it's 2022. We had as, a, as out of all the metropolitan areas in uh, the United States, Wilmington, North Carolina experienced the biggest net population increase. So the secret's out, uh, it seems. We, we have more uh, real estate agents in town than we have homes for sale. Right. Um, so yeah, so it's people are flocking here in droves. I, I, I think it's been popular. Like I said, you're closer to my hometown um, and that's been popular for so long and now people are finding out. And I think there's more real estate agents in every city right now than there are homes. And then yeah, in San Diego, say, that's probably thing. true. Yeah, yeah, it's probably true anywhere. It's insane. But um, yeah, man, that's a great area. I feel like, like you said, the people moving there, I feel like we see that every year. There's another couple areas that get people just find out about and start going, you know, like not, mm-hmm. shit, it hasn't been that many years ago. What, Charleston, South Carolina was huge. And then, yeah. you know, now Nashville's a big place. People start, things are spreading, man. As soon as they hear about yep. it, now you're going to get overrun, dude. Sorry. Well, it's, uh, yeah. What's interesting about the geography of this area is like New Hanover County from a landmass perspective, I think is, is the smallest county in North Carolina. It's on a small peninsula. We've got the Atlantic Ocean to the east, the Cape Fear River to the west, and it's a very small strip of land with not a lot of dirt left to develop. Right. Um, and so we're probably getting to a point where we're, we're going to be close to reaching capacity. And what we see, you know, development wise is like residential development is booming everywhere, but there's there's minimal commercial development, at least in my neighborhood on my side of the county, that it, that's like thoughtful. And what I mean by that is like they're putting in storage units. So it's yeah. like, okay, let's take these three acres and let's put a place where people who are moving here from the Northeast to put all their stuff. But right. let's not let's not like put in some anchor businesses where where people can come and it be a cultural hub and a place of community and stuff like that. So right. my uh, if anybody if anybody on like the county board of commissioners in in Wilmington happens to pick this up like please please green light projects that are going to be better <laughs> for the community as a whole. Let's do fewer uh, storage units and let's do like more like centers where we can actually enjoy the community that we live yeah. in. Yeah. That's, I think that that's something a lot of places are going to have to learn as their gro- that kind of growth is happening so quickly mm-hmm. that overlook that's going to be a big mistake. I know in uh, San Diego right now, several of the areas as they develop, it becomes more focused to that, or even if they made that mistake and didn't, they end up having to go back and sort of correct, you know, and make that, yeah. make those hubs to those areas. And now we have a lot of mixed use, you know, commercial and residential, everything's building up because same thing, there's not, a, we're not making more land. Right. So things are yeah. building up, but you know, some of those they're doing well, some of them, they haven't done such a great job, yeah. but it's what we're stuck yeah, with. You see, right? 
you see the ones that they're like, I'm going to put a commercial development here and then nobody goes to it. No business is rented. They, you know, it just, it's doomed from the start. You always feel for that, but it's like the commercial developers that we know in town, like stop and think for two seconds. Like mm-hmm. all these residences are going around there. And you need the you need businesses. You need to inspire business owners to go. You know, like I've just got this thing in my head where 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 my office is. I, I own an insurance agency where my insurance agency office is. How cool would it be if I had a commercial development and it had all the things that I need in a given workday? So right. I can go I can go do my insurance agency thing, and then for lunch I've got like you know an organic uh, salad place that I can go build my own salad, and then right down from there I can go get my iced coffee at the other end of it, but make it places where people actually want to go, you know, and I just don't see, a, I don't see enough of that type of stuff popping up. It's sort of like, okay, we'll build it and we'll hope people will come, but you have to have businesses that will want to want to go there. And sometimes it feels like it's they're putting the cart before the horse so much. It's like, okay, one acre plot of land, we're going to put in a, a multi-unit, you know, out parcel building here. And then yeah. we'll hope people rent it. Yeah. We hope yeah. they put it in a cool shop there. Um, <laughs> it doesn't always happen that way though, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Well, shoot where you are, I guess, how do you think that, um, you know, COVID and, and the way that impacted business stuff, do you think that that's impacting at all the way developments are happening or where businesses are going? Yeah, I really don't know. Cause I mean, I, I do see, I do see every day, I feel like I have more and more conversations with people who are leaving, you know, corporate world and mm-hmm. starting small businesses. And this is really a good small business town. I mean, there's right. a few, you know, anchor corporations. Corning is here. PPD is here. There's a big airport. There's a big university. And those are always going to supply the most jobs. Right. But, but then you have this periphery of people who support all of that. And that's all done by, by local small business owners. Yeah. And I've seen more and more of them getting into the game, I guess, of entrepreneurship and small business ownership. But what I don't see, and it could be partially my fault, I might need to be more involved in it, you know, with with zoning and planning and stuff like that is, you know, they're accounting for the residential growth. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the county tries to be really good about, okay, we're going to sewer and water out to these places and have to run utilities out to these places. And we don't want, you know, traffic lights to be backed up for 20 minutes at a time. But I just don't see a groundswell of very invigorated developers that are sharing a vision of what a neighborhood can and should look like. You know, you got to have a grocery store. You got to have a few convenience stores. But outside of that, what else should be there? And if we community plan in a completely different way, how do we make people really proud of the neighborhood that they live in? And if you do, if you do that, you got to give them places to go. You got to give them places to connect and and to build relationships. And, and if you're truly supportive of small business, the small businesses that, that share, I guess, in that passion or in that Mm -hmm. vision, they will participate in that and they'll put down roots and people will take big risks with their finances and taking the risk to start a business that you don't know if customers are going to come to. So I do feel at some sense that COVID has put us into certain camps and, and a lot of people have very you know specific routines and they try to avoid crowds and stuff like that. Eventually that's all got to yeah. stop. But on, this, on the other hand, I do feel a lot of people re-engaging with their community because you know, we took a year where nobody really went outside and saw anybody and did anything. So if there's a really good 
thing that can come from COVID. And I know a lot of very, very bad things have happened for the two years of the pandemic. My, my hope is, is that there's like a new reinvigoration of people really, really, really wanting to be involved in their, in their community, in their neighborhood with the people that live there to, to help build a slightly little better zip code. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, we were talking about getting involved as uh, small business owners. I do feel like a lot of those, a lot of the areas, you know, like uh, the outer, you know, like we have gas lamp, right? We have downtown, gas mm-hmm. lamp. some of the beach areas, they have their own community. Those things are so set, you know, like gas lamp downtown, that's, that's kind of city driven, right? Like that's yeah. built there for a reason. But as far as the other neighborhoods and the other areas, I feel like the, um, the culture is, impacted greatly by the small businesses, right? The things yeah. that people bring in that helps develop that sense of, um, you know, the community sense and kind of drives it in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, people go to places like the gas lamp district because they like the businesses that are there. You know, there's right. cool bars and there's cool restaurants, right. a cool bar and a cool restaurant can go anywhere. Exactly. It can go anywhere. Yeah, location, location is important. You're in real estate, you know, location, location, location. But, but I, I do feel very strongly that you can, you can make your own cool location. For sure. And if, if you, and if you market it appropriately, you have a quality service, you've got really good people that, that share into the mission and vision of your company and, and a culture is created around that. You know, you can put something awesome in any neighborhood as long as you kind of hit, you know, hit those checkpoints or, or right. fill those boxes. So, and then you think about it too, like gas lamp didn't become cool overnight. Like it no. took time. It yeah. took people taking big risks to go there mm-hmm. and to say, this is a great area of San Diego. Like it's beautiful. It's perfect. Now, how do we make it better? How do we yeah. make people want to stay here right. um, or vacation here? And, and all that stuff took innovation. It took imagination and it, it took risks and, and all that. And I'd like to see more of that, especially where, where we live as people continue to flock here by the thousands every month, like, right. Cool. You're here. We're glad you're here. Now let's make it a really, really cool place together. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Oh, you're right. Two gas lamp, for instance, like was a place you didn't want to roll down windows originally. That wasn't anything a tourist destination. It wasn't a place anyone went until they made it that, you know, and said, Hey, we're going to make this, that, but even what you're saying about like taking those chances, uh, we spoke just quickly about it beforehand, but kind of, that's a good segue into one of the things you're planning ahead for. And I think that that's something too, that I've seen here and in, I've seen other places too, but when there is opportunity or people planning ahead to see where things are going, where the masses are going, where growth is happening, both commercial or residential. And I've seen here businesses, you know, small businesses, restaurants, coffee shops, all those things, a lot where people, maybe it was just a coincidence, that's their community. And maybe some people, and well, I know of some that targeted those areas, like, hey, I'm going to move this area and I'm going to put put my shop here. Um, mm-hmm. but we're getting ahead of growth, like in an area that's quickly developing in San Diego or something like that. And yeah. then they end up not just doing well, they took, some, like you said, some risk, right? It's not fully, uh, you know, the crowds aren't there yet, or it hasn't fully grown yet, but then they're a staple. And then they have a, even more of an impact on creating the culture they want in that area. And in the mm-hmm. long run, it does well, but kind of paying attention, staying ahead of what's happening and, Hey, get there first. And then you have more to say about it, more to gain from it. And, and, uh, so 
if you don't mind, maybe you tell us about your uh, upcoming business ventures other than the companies you already have, you know, since yeah. Does it sound like you want well, to sit still, you know? <laughs> no, I never, never do. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's worth exploring, like, you know, how did, how does somebody stay ahead of a trend um, or, or be the early adopter in something? So like, if this is the first time somebody is, is seeing me then, and you're asking yourself like that dude, that dude's an insurance agent. I, I can guarantee you there are not very many insurance agents who, who look or act like I do. My, my right. hair is down to the middle of my back. I've got sleeve tattoos. My office shows up in jeans every day. We wear t-shirts. And, and I did all of that intentionally, intentionally, because, you know, as we, if you look at, you know, kind of generational cohorts, right, where the greatest generation is essentially almost extinct. Now there's, there's very few of that generational cohort left. And then you move on to the baby boomers and 10,000 baby boomers turn 65 each and every day. And then you move to kind of Gen Xers and then the sandwich generation, which I sort of fit in and then millennials. If you look at the way that they buy my product and service, which is, which is insurance mainly, each one of those people consumes that product or, or purchases those products in completely different ways. Right. And they expect the person that they're purchasing it from to be different. You know, my, my mom and dad, their financial planner, he shows up in a suit and tie every single day. The guy that I work with here, same as me, surfer, kind of a hippie, knows his stuff, knows his stuff extremely well. But I feel very, very comfortable working with him because we're kind of at the same, we're kind of at the same place. And, you know, when, when you study people broadly, that's, that's how you learn to get, a, get ahead of, of some of the trends because a business is nothing without people and, and that's people to run it and that's people to buy your product and service. So if you're agile and you're able to adjust with, with how different generational cohorts interact with brands, purchase products, and what their expectations are after they've made that purchase, I think that's the best way to, to stay ahead of those trends. And when you start living your life like that, you start to see opportunities that maybe other people don't see coming down the road. Um, you know, whether it's 24 months or, or 36 months or, you know, 10 years down there. I mean, like a, a really good example of this would be Elon Musk five or seven years ago. I, I don't really know if anybody knew who Elon Musk was, but, but he saw uh, the electric car wave coming. He saw the privatization of space and, and everything else that he's involved in. And people called him insane, I'm sure, when he was trying to do all that stuff. And now he's the richest man in the world. I mean, I think he just wrote a $5 billion tax check. Like, yeah. if you're writing $5 billion in taxes, <laughs> I can only imagine how much is coming in on the other side. But, right. but he's, a really, he's a really good example of that. So, like, my, 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 the first time, if I really look back and ask myself, like, when did, I, when did I feel like I stayed ahead of a trend? It was completely shifting the way that I, I marketed myself. And the way I built a brand and a reputation in the insurance industry sector, which is very much established and it's very, very status quo. To this day, I'm the only one that I know that that has a podcast. And I'm the only one who really does, you know, video content creation on a consistent basis that isn't sales pitchy or, or anything like that. And so I saw those as happening. I said, okay, I'm gonna try and get ahead of it. And that sort of dictated a lot of the way that I, I do the day to day. One of the, one of my team members, she sent me an awesome article. I, I don't want to butcher the, the statistic 
and I think I will, but it was something like 50% of millionaires start their day three hours before the first thing that they have to do, like before their work day. So, you know, in my case, I have to get my girls off to school at 7.30. So I start my day at 4.30. And that allows me to be ahead of everything that is going to come to me. And if you do that on a daily basis, that I believe just becomes a part of your mindset. And you can look forward because you're not being reactive to everything that you have time to stop and think quietly and, and, and study and explore your curiosities and pay attention to what other people are doing. And then you ask yourself, like, is this, is this, you know, a fad or is this something that's going to have a little bit of permanence to it? And if you can really think deeply about that, then it puts you in a position to go, I'm going to be an early adopter on that. I'm going to be the first to market with this. And you will find success, but you made a great point. It's sometimes it, a lot of it has to come to you, right. you know, like you can be the first person in that cool neighborhood and there's going to be a year, maybe two years where you're like, what have I done? Nobody is coming here. But if you're persistent, you're patient, you have a sense of humor, you get up and you knock doors every single day, it can and will come. It's not a right. guarantee, but, but sometimes things build around you, but you're there and then yeah. you're, you become the person for that. Right. That's kind of part of the risk reward, right? Or else you're going to get the same return as everybody else too, you know, or yeah. less if you're just following it up. But that's, I, I, get, I get that for sure. And what about, okay, so I'm going to jump backwards a little bit now. I was going to go one direction, but let's jump back because you were bringing up, you know, how doing things yourself, you know, your own way and just surround yourself with those people too. How about, let's go all the way back to the military side, because I think uh, some people have a little bit of difficulty being themselves in the military because a lot of it is mm-hmm. kind of, are supposedly structured or regimented and stuff. And um, one of the things I enjoyed was maintaining or doing my best to maintain my personality, my leadership styles, my, you know, not, not trying to disrupt anything or not like that, not that kind of deal, but like, Hey, I don't have to do it the way everyone else is. I don't have to lead the way everyone else is. If I think this is better or whatever the case is, what was that experience for you? You know, like, cause Marine Corps, I'm guessing is, you know, you know, probably even more, you know, I was Navy, so it was a little less and aviation. So it's yeah, somewhat laid back, you know, um, super chill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Compared yeah. to most. So yeah. How was that for well, you? I kind of just looked at those leaders who I didn't want to be, mm-hmm. you know, because if, if, if you aren't in the military and you're listening to this, uh, you, you, you can still empathize with it or identify with it because right. everybody's had a, a manager, a boss or somebody in their life that was the absolute tyrant. Right. The the do as I say, not as I do types or or you know, you eat because I allow you to eat type of people. And and in the military you're exposed to a, a lot of those. You know, they yeah, carry their rank sure. on their shoulder and their emotional intelligence, their EQ is zero. Yeah. They have they have nothing. Are they effective at times? They are effective at times because if something has to get done, and they're out there yelling and screaming and veins are pulsing and spits flying everywhere. Like there's a time and place for that. But when you can't adjust yourself out of that state of mind and you're constantly that person right. who's just always in the red, you'll get results, but it's the law of diminishing returns, right? Like eventually people are going to be like, that guy's an ass. I'm not doing anything he tells me to do. And I can remember some leaders very early on, you know, like after boot camp, like boot camp's going to be that. And that yeah. it's designed to be that. Specific, but then yeah. you get to the fleet and you get 
you know, you know, you start to get a little bit of seniority and and kind of learn the way things are done. But you see those people that never really quite make that that full adjustment to like, I'm a Marine. I'm I have some rank. I can yell and scream when I absolutely have to. But for the most part, I just uh, connect with people and, you know, I use love and empathy and mutual respect and all this other stuff to get to get things done more more efficiently and at the end of the day it's probably better because you're going to have people who are going to stick with you long term and and run through brick walls for you and so i just remember seeing those people that were the opposite of that and i was like i don't want to be i don't want to be that guy yeah and and that just shaped my whole leadership philosophy from there on out like we can get great things done yeah without being awful to people yeah and i i think you learned just as much from uh, sadly, you learn just as much or if not more sometimes from the people you don't want to be like, you know, that can be yeah. just as impactful as the people you do. And, and I think that's super simple, really, in a way, just to always try to, hey, take the take qualities from the people you admire, take the positives and leave behind the negative and, and do the same on the other side. Right. Just, like, yep. hey, that's just not how I want to be. And I think that's yep. a big uh, I don't know. I think that's a big part of the development of most people. Yeah, if they're conscious about it, but it it goes back to paying attention, right? Looking around you, like we're talking about, even in the growth in a neighborhood or a city, being open to what's going on. If you don't have your eyes open to even like whether it's the leadership or any of those things, you can fall into the trap of just emulating it out of habit or out of just Mm -hmm. you know you just roll that way. And next thing you know, you look back and go, "Man, I don't like what I'm doing." And yeah. you have to track back to where it is. So really just taking a couple minutes. And when you were talking about your morning routine, the thing that I've realized, and I sometimes break off of, uh, it's kind of like a workout, right? You get a workout regime, you're good. You know, you love it. I'll never miss another workout. Then when you do and you get on, mm-hmm. you know, go on vacation, sometimes it's tough to get back on. But the something that I've realized, if I don't have my own time, whether it's in the morning or evening set aside to just be and think or, or whether it's reading or but just nothing planned for it. And I just need some of that alone time sometimes to it's not even always super intentional, but just to be alone and uh, kind of absorb what's going on in the day to day that kind of opens my eyes to other things or sometimes that really like, Hey man, you know what? I don't need to go this route with something going on. But when I just let the uh, crazy work schedule dictate everything and it's like, get up shower. And then you're like jamming until it's yeah. time for the next commitment, next commitment. I find sometimes I can, uh, you can get a little bit off course the off the course that you want to yeah. do just because you're not seeing the subtle things in your day to day. There's something so amazing. I've started being very conscious and intentional about doing this, like waking up, going downstairs, drinking a big glass of water, and then stepping outside of my back porch or my front porch and just taking a huge, big, deep breath in right. and sitting there in silence on the yeah. front porch while I, while I drink a cup of coffee. Yeah. And, and the world is quiet. It's peaceful. Like, don't bring a cell phone if you're going to do it. Like, yeah. don't you know, don't disrupt yourself with, with the outside world, just like sit in that moment for 60 seconds and Mm -hmm. and think, or don't think at all. Just listen to the sound of your own breath and and like connect with the world. And not only will you feel happier, but the, the creativity kind of starts to flow a little bit. And maybe there's, you know, some challenging issues that you've been working on. All of a sudden those pieces start to fall into place when you allow yourself that, that space to not 
you know, obligate yourself to doing the work of the day or putting obligations on yourself to, to be that better person, to go to the mm -hmm. gym, to walk the dog, to go for a long run or something like that. Just sitting still in the dark in the morning has just been like such a huge, huge, huge benefit to me. And it's so simple and it doesn't it's, take a long time. You just yeah. got to remember to do it. Just wake up and take a deep breath and sit there for a second. Like just chill. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Well, that little slowdown too, though, when you don't, uh, to me, it's uh, not just like a stress relief or anything as well, but it makes me more efficient because if you don't take a time somewhere, I, I, you know, sometime during the day or during your week, or just take some of that time off, I find I'm less efficient because it's worked work. I have this long list of things to do. There's never really going to mm -hmm. shrink, right? Cause we're adding things yeah. as it goes away. And I'm always yeah. trying to chase that. So if you, if I'm doing that without taking those times, timeouts and taking a break or going away for a few days or something, I become less efficient. And I realize during my day, I'm not accomplishing as much as I would be, you know, like in a 12 hour day, I'm not accomplishing what I could have in a six hour day because right. I'm just not refreshed or I'm not like just cognizant of what I'm doing. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, we put ourselves, I think very easily into these destructive patterns yeah. and and then you go well, how the hell did i get here and i was like well i allowed myself to get there you know i think the first victory of the day i look at the first victory of the day is getting up as soon as my alarm clock goes off yeah if my alarm clock goes off and i hit the stop button and I'm, i might lay there for half a second with my eyes open but if i if i put my feet on the ground and i get up good job right. like that's your <laughs> that's your first win and it but it's also dictating and setting the tone for the rest of your day. And if you do that for an entire week, then you're probably going to have a very productive and fulfilling week. You do it for a month, awesome month. You do it for a year, probably the best year of your life, depending on what you're trying to measure. Um, and then commit to it for maybe not forever. I don't want to have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning forever. Yeah. I'd like to retire someday and sleep in and go play golf or, you know, get up and just like, well, I'm just going to go get on the boat today or, or yeah. go surfing or whatever that might be. I don't want to do it forever. But, um, you know, if you look at your life as like kind of like a series of sprints, I'm in a sprint right now and I'm going to sprint really hard until I'm 50 or 55 years old, which gives me about 20 ish more years, 19, 20 more years. And then I don't want to do that anymore. But to, to accomplish that, I have to win the first battle of the day, which is to turn off the alarm and get up and get my ass out of bed and get going. Right. And it, it works better when you have everything in front of you instead of like your kids waking you up and you're like, oh, I got to get you to school. Yeah. Nothing good comes from that. <laughs> Nothing good comes from that. It's, it's putting yourself behind the eight ball, you're not going to win. You're yeah. not going to win. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. I have to put my I do. Uh, I kind of have two alarms just to make sure. Well, one's just the you know what are the I don't even seen the like the lights, right? It's just like yeah. a little subtle noise, so it doesn't really like super chill wakes you up, and it usually works. You know, and wake mm -hmm. up, and then you're like, all right, cool. Well, I've got a couple. Of minutes. I usually just lie there for a minute, and yeah, because it's, it's just so slow. And then I'll yeah. get up, but then I have for like when that's gonna happen. I have alarm set for like ten minutes later, but it's I just put my phone in the bathroom. You know, yeah. so it's not near me. So I'd have to get up and then it's kind of like kicking yourself in the butt. If I have to go do yeah. that, like, ah, oh, shit, it went off. <laughs> yeah, I I'm such a loser. Oh through. my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's, you know, I started on my, on my iPhone. There's a, there's like this, uh, alarm sound called bird song. I think yeah. it is. And it's literally just birds chirping. Yeah. And I wake up so much more peacefully now that I have that one set as my alarm than the, mm -hmm. bah, bah, bah. you know, you wake up and all of a sudden like your cortisol levels spike 
because you feel like the world is ending because that sound has been associated with emergency and danger. Yeah. And, uh, and even just like doing a little bird song thing, it's just made it like, okay, I'm up like, cool. Yeah. Like I'm, it, I'm but it feels natural. Like, yeah. <laughs> not like, Oh shit. I'm behind already. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. Yeah. It's crazy. But, um, it's cool. The age that we live in that there's all these, you know, technologies and, and availability to help make our lives a little bit better but still be very modern and, right. and be able to live and participate in the modern age. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy what we, uh, a lot of times spend money on too, to make us feel, to make us go back to a simpler time too, you know, <laughs> kind of like, yeah. I think it's that same thing that I clock with the uh, light, you know, it's, it, it's same. It's just bird, like just birds chirping when he wakes. So it's mm-hmm. nothing alarming, but I'm like, Oh man, I really, if I were anywhere else, I could just leave my blinds open. And then when the sun yeah. comes up yeah. and I'm going to hear, hear and see the same thing and wake up, but now I've got to go spend a hundred dollars to make something yeah. to emulate that so that I could get up and do it. But, but yeah, I am grateful for it though. Yeah. How about then let's jump to your next, your upcoming project kind of again, that mm-hmm. getting forward, um, you know, or thinking ahead of yeah. what's going on, but, um, if yeah. you want to give us a little bit on, on that. So I know people in California start... will definitely understand it since. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we have, uh, I guess this was the past summer, um, myself, a lot of other veteran business owners in my network. Um, we were asked to participate via giving testimony in support of Senate bill Seven Eleven, which is the bill that would legalize medical cannabis use, uh, here in North Carolina. And, and, I was drawn to it and I was attached to it because it specifically called out use for treatment for PTSD, specifically to veterans. But I think six in 10 people have experienced trauma throughout their lives. And the other four out of 10 people know somebody who has experienced extreme trauma. So you could be in a room with 10 people and they've, they've, they've probably all had some type of traumatic experience that could result in PTSD, but it, it was more, it was uh, more close to home for me because of the veteran issue, because frankly, you know, and I don't know if your experience was like this, but when, when I was in the Marines, I was a mortuary affairs specialist. So we recovered the remains of soldiers, sailors, airmen, coasties, Marines that were killed in action, inventory of their effects. And then we would be the ones who would, you know, do the flag draped transfer case, right. take them up and get them home and get them home for a bear. That's a terrible job. It's a terrible yeah. job. And there's only a couple hundred Marines that do that. Um, at any given time. And it weighs, it's, it, it takes a heavy toll uh, to be that young and to be around death that consistently. Um, and then to, you know, occasionally have to be the bearer of bad news by presenting you know, the American flag to the next of kin and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's hard. And so like, you know, when, when I was getting out of the Marines, it's kind of like the routine is you have to go see a psychiatrist. Okay. This was your MOS, your March, your affairs specialist, go see a psychiatrist. And I remember being in the psychiatrist's office for no more than 15 minutes. And he was like, okay, you know, tell me about this, that, and the other. And at the time I had trouble sleeping. Um, I couldn't really fall asleep. Once I got asleep, I was asleep, but I was just having issues falling asleep. And then I, I had, uh, some issues like paying attention and that was kind of a lifelong thing but i've heard a lot of other veterans describe it as like brain fog like i just can't quite seem to focus and so the psychiatrist solution was to give me trazodone to go to sleep and adderall to help me focus that's an upper and a downer and then i know other guys who've been given you know mood stabilizers the ssris and all all this other stuff and and essentially they were just giving us a cocktail of things that would turn anybody into a zombie, a walking zombie. And 
we have an opioid crisis, opioid epidemic in this country already. And I think the way that veterans, especially from the post 9-11, you know, war era, I think a lot of them were created by that VA off-ramp, so to speak, the, the, yeah. the, or the DOD off-ramp. Here's your drugs. May God be with you. Yeah. And I, I know that it works for some people, but I know that for other people, there's a reason why our suicide rate is so high amongst the veteran community. And you can't convince me otherwise that all of that doesn't play a part in it. And so I'm not for or against cannabis in, in any, like, I don't really have a personal opinion of it, right. but I do have an opinion that people should have the right to try whatever it is. And if there's enough medical studies, it's not, you know, um, somehow problematic to, to public health. I think, I think people should have the option to be able to go do that. And so we testified in favor of that, that bill's passage here in North Carolina. It didn't, we thought it was going to get through this last legislative session, but it looks like it's going to get, it's going to get kicked uh, until May of 2022. Um, but it's got a real, it's got a real chance to, to happen. And so we wanted to be ahead of that in some capacity. So working with legislators, it's like, okay, we're here, we're testifying, we're leaving our businesses every day. You should probably allow some of the licenses for this, if it gets passed, some yeah. of the licenses for this to go to veteran owned companies. And, and they agreed with that. And so, you know, we were able to get two of those set aside if the bill passes, at least it's in, in its current formation, that there should be a couple of those earmarked right. for veteran owned businesses. And there's a lot of guys that are kind of in the hemp CBD space right now that are, that are prior military. And they're all sort of gearing up for like, okay, if this thing passes, then we got to scale up and we got to scale up really quickly. And so I was like, you know what, maybe we can position ourselves for that. Maybe it's possible to position ourselves for that. And so let's find people who would be supportive and would be financially committed to that because an effort of that size is gargantuan and it costs a lot of money. And there's a bunch of multi-state distributors. You guys probably know all of them in California that, that already have billions and billions of dollars. And you know what? Every time we were up at Capitol Hill, we saw their lobbyists there. Yeah. And so they're doing the exact same thing. We're looking at it at a smaller scale, but it's like, okay, if this, if this thing is coming, if it's possible, if, if we, if we are the man in the arena, like Teddy Roosevelt said, if we, we show up and we put ourselves in front of these people each and every day, we have a convincing story. Um, we're, we're passionate for the right reasons, not in pursuit of profit, but in pursuit of people. If we can convince them that, you know, we're a community that, that could participate in this from whether it's a growth or manufacturing or distribution or, or one of the three, then why not put ourselves in position to maybe be considered? It doesn't mean we're going to win one of the licenses. It doesn't mean anything, but like, let's put ourselves in position to at least be considered. And so that's what, that's, you know, kind of one of the things that we're, we're doing right now is like, Right now, we're just growing microgreens, you know, right. like to sell to restaurants. Yeah. But when you look, we're just learning how to grow something hydroponically. Yeah. And, and it still is a good that we hope to be able to provide and that it's high quality. And then if, you know, the bill passes, the bill passes, we'll see what happens next. But still just kind of positioning ourselves and learning how to do something without any promise of return at all right. whatsoever. Yeah. But, and you're also not just lying there hoping it happens, you know, like mm -hmm. you said, everyone's involved in trying to make that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. Try to influence 
Well, if you sit there and wait for it to happen, when it happens, you're already behind. You're so months far behind. <laughs> and months and months behind to the point where it is now not just a, a, an obstacle to entry, but it's impossible for you to try to get in on any of that. Right. And, and it, it just kind of goes back, I think, to waking up early in the morning. <laughs> Wake up early in the morning and and see out your day and then look out ahead 12 months or 24 months or 36 months. You have to know kind of your why, like what's your purpose in life? And when you when you have that, then you can start to see those opportunities. You just ask yourself the question, does this align with who I want to be? And if so, am I willing to work hard enough to make it happen? The overnight success, we use that term so flippantly right. in our society. Nobody sees the the sleepless nights mm-hmm. for years to become an overnight success. All of a sudden, you're a blip on someone's radar, but they didn't see everything you put into it exactly. ahead of time. And that's that's where the that's where the difference is. That's right. really where the difference lies. Yeah, no, that is true. And I think it's like that even in business, a lot of times too, probably in your day to day still people, if you make something look seamless for a client, for, you know, anyone you're working with and they're not going to see what goes on behind the scenes. They don't know. Mm-hmm. And that, but that that's part of what you work hard for. You don't want yeah. them to see the hiccups or the problems or stuff. You just want them to see that smooth, you know, like, Hey, yeah, everything's perfectly fine. Don't worry about it. You know, everything, yeah. everything behind the curtain, it could be chaos. Doesn't really matter, yeah. you know, as long as yeah. they don't have to see it. It's like, see, have you ever seen a duck swim? <laughs> like, like on the paddling like crazy the on the bottom. They, yeah, they just glide, man. It's like that duck is so seamless, but underneath it, it's like those little flippers are kicking, man. And yeah, and, and yeah, that's like I think a good metaphor for it, for sure. That's every once in a while, um, we'll have like a, whether it's an investment transaction or just a even just someone's home they're purchasing or something, and they're like man, you guys like, that was so seamless. That was so easy or something. And we're like, yeah, that's what you shoot for anyway. But there's certain ones where just like, oh my God, it's not even like, thank you for saying that. I'm just thinking, thank God we fooled you because that one was a shit show. Like, I didn't know if this was going to happen, but (laughs) thank God they didn't notice, you know? You do. We we deal with those all the time too. It's like, you know, it's, it's panic at the back of the house. But once you, once you you know, go beyond the veil and now you're in the front of the house, you're on stage. It's like, you, you make sure that everything looks like it's all buttoned up. It's put together. Yeah. Don't ever lose cre- credibility because that, that will destroy a culture and an organization and an office like that. And so, yeah, there's going to be messes in our back room, but when you're up in the, when you're up in the lobby, it's going to look really, really good. Right. It's going to look really good. Yeah. And you know, you're going to get it done. You just yeah. don't necessarily know how yet. So they or don't when. need to, yeah, how yeah. When. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, how, yeah. but they don't need to have that stress. People don't pay for stress. Right. Yeah. Shit, man. You give us a lot of good stuff today. Can you, uh, any like last parting advice or words that you have other than to getting up at four? Yeah. Just keep going. Just keep going. I mean, yeah, I've really been just kind of, you know, hyper aware of like listening to what my body has been telling, what my mind's been telling me. And, and sometimes you really have to, you have to convince yourself that you have to continue. And when you, when you're met with adversity, just look at it as an opportunity to grow. I know it's kind of cliche, but, but it really is like, okay, we had a, had a shit month or we had a shit year or something like that. Like I'm I'm not going to wallow in that self-pity, get back up, strap your boots on, start making phone calls. That is maybe one piece of advice that 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 I can give that I think is practical and easily implementable. In that, if you're like if you're really feeling down because things aren't quite going your way, just start calling people 
because when you make that breakthrough and whether it's a sale or it's a new connection or a new venture or something like that, the brain just starts firing in all cylinders and all of a sudden you're motivated again, you're happy again, and you can carry that momentum out. So when you hit the lows, you have to do something to get back on the high. And if that's knocking on doors, if that's hitting the phones, if it's networking again, like I've started networking again, like crazy. I took four or five months off from it because I was just burnt out on it. I just couldn't do it anymore. And so I needed some time to refresh and now I'm back in it and I'm like, yeah, I really like this. I'm feeling the juice again. I'm connecting with new people, creating new networks, new centers of influence of, you know, and it just kind of has a snowball effect. So just keep at it. Just always keep at it. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I know for me, I have to, uh, I put little hurdles or I put little rules in place for me. It's super simple. So I don't screw up along the way. It just makes it really easy. But one of the things is like when I'm having a bad time or business is bad or whatever's going on, just that don't allow myself to ever think about quitting on a, on a bad day, just to simplify it. Right. Don't quit on a yeah. bad day. So you've got to keep working. Like that's not your option. You have to keep working until you get onto a, you know, you have a good week or something like that. Then it's like, if I still don't think it's worth, you know, if I'm not enjoying it on a good week, then I know it's time to move on. Right. I'm going to write that. That never happens on a bad day. Yeah. Yeah, Like you just keep going until it's good. And then you're like, oh shit, what was I thinking about? That wasn't that bad. I was just in a bad place that week at the same time that business wasn't good or something like that. But every time you break through to that next good day, you're like, I don't know what the fuck I was worried about. We're good. Yeah. Let's just go. Yeah. Having a a little pity party for myself. Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) Yep. 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 Yeah. Solid. Yeah. I wrote that down. Don't quit on a bad day. I like that one a lot. There you go. Don't quit on a good day either. But if you were going to no. quit, make it a good day. Well, that's just make when you know it's day. time to move on, right? Like maybe you're done, yeah. you know, you're on for the next next adventure. Yeah. But. Yeah. It just could be you're, you're the world telling you now it's time for you to level up. Yeah. You, you've peaked at this thing. Maybe you plateaued, not peaked. Go climb the next mountain. Yeah, exactly. Dude, Rob, thank you so much for your time, man. Um, yeah, brother. I really appreciate it. Great conversation. Hopefully we'll get to do it again. For sure, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. If you could use an inexpensive and super convenient healthcare option, I definitely recommend checking out SkillMills Telehealth. For me, when I did the research, it turned out that their program worked well as a supplement to VA Medical. So that's the route I went. If you go to their website for the information, skillmill.com, that's S-K-I-L-L-M-I-L.com. Go to the top, click on the telehealth button, and it'll take you to another page with the information on all their programs. Super easy, super easy to sign up. If you click on the Get Started button, fill in a little bit of basic info, you could even use your referral code Expertish Podcast in the drop down. And then from there, they'll take care of you and you're all set. Definitely highly recommend checking that out.